Hello, I'm Richard Fieldhouse and I'm from the National Association of Sessional GPs and welcome to this edition of the Art of GP Locuming podcast. So it's just me today and I'm going to go run run you through the latest edition of the Sessional GP magazine, our 105th edition, February 2019. You'll see a beautiful front cover, which is uh, again painted for us by Claire de Mortimer Griffin. Well, not painted for us, but um, I, I regularly email Claire to ask her what latest works of art she's produced. And um, she very, very kindly allows us to reproduce those in the magazine. And there's always one on the front cover and we've got a, a, another one for you inside as well. Our first article, our editorial, uh, this month is again from Sarah Chambers. It carries on from her previous uh, article editorial from the last magazine on the continuity of relationship and a fresh pair of eyes and how uh, we as GP locums uh, bring this fresh pair of eyes into consultations. And they got quite a lot of really positive comments on social media and, and in feedback. Um, but in this article, Sarah goes much more goes on much more about the dysfunctional over reliance on relationship continuity, which she argues is papers over serious cracks um, in almost sometimes an almost total lack of uh, continuity of management and information. So it's been almost kind of arguably used as a way to. Um, um, almost beefing up, souping up the whole continuity of care, but it's ignoring other stuff that's going on. And Sarah really goes into that. Um, and, 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 and in terms of continuity and respect to GP locums, um, talks about how rather than tapping into our fresh pair of eyes and our unique perspective in the way we work in practices, a common response to a lapse of um, uh, care involving a locum is to actually personalise blame on the locum rather than actually digging into the um, systems of care around it um, and 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 actually looking at issues uh, sort of feeds into that narrative of continuity of care is something that that typically locums don't always provide um, but again missing missing big points and Sarah is really keen for a a, a much more greater move um, sort of alongside that goal of statements about continuity of relationship in general practice also having equal parity um, a, a de declaring a goal of a disaster proof locum ready safe system um, which which really brings in that fresh pair of eyes but it's a really good article really good read um and i'd recommend you have a look at it it's a good, it's a, it's a good follow-up and, and finishing up finishes off the, the points that sarah made in the first article the next um it's two, next two articles are, are, are guest blogs from a couple of nesgp members now both um eva and nikki wrote in separately um both now what, what i'll take these sort of two articles really together what what these are about are, are, are two locums, two GPs, who have um, um, uh, very qualified, very experienced, but probably weren't getting, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, I don't want to put words into their mouths, have a look at the articles, but very much starting to not not get out as much of general practice as they initially had. And, 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 and Eva has gone into specialising almost in in, in in geriatric medicine, but in primary care. And Nikki has uh, taken herself off and launched a whole new uh, 
career, as it were, a whole new journey into counselling. Um, and so, so both these articles go through that, the reasons why, what they've learnt, um, how, they, how that works within primary care, but really importantly, how it's really made them enjoy being general practitioners much more than they used to and how both these new adventures have um, made them enjoy general practice more uh, and how they f both feel that they are better GPs during the day job because of this. Um, and it's interesting how these both came in at the same time. Um, so they're both there for you, both good reads, both well written, um, and there's some good sort of uh, interesting links and, um, um, and learning points in there as well. So thank you very much, Nikki and Eva, for, for producing those for us. And if you as a listener, uh, I take it you're a GP. Um, but again, if you've got any other interests, whether they're clinical or non-clinical, and you think it's helped with your, uh, your, your, your love of general practice or, or not, get in touch. Um, we love to print, print articles by our members um, and this is your this is your forum for that um, they'll be produced here in this in this digital magazine we'll talk about them on the uh, on, on, on this podcast in fact if you want to be interviewed as well on the podcast get in touch um, and then we also pr produce them out on, on the interweb as well as, as actual blog articles from the NESGP website now um, next article is from Liz Densley of Honey Barrett now I'd, there, you must have had to have been asleep for the last month, or it certainly feels that from 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 where I am in in terms of the type two self assessment forms. If you're exclusively a GP locum, exclusively a GP partner, this won't affect you. But if you've done any type two work, salary GP type work, oh my god, <laughs> um, I really pity you because we are getting so many questions about how to fill in these forms, really, really not helped by issues such as annualisation, really, really not helped by um, um, the uh, pensions people publishing the um, um, not necessarily accurate spreadsheets and still, and it's now, I'm recording this on the 13th, Wednesday the 13th, we've still got, got just, just over two weeks to go and they still haven't produced the annualisation calculator that's needed because of the annualisation rules that now apply um, to many salary GPs. Um, it's, it's, all, it's all very confusing and really quite stressful. So what's happened here is, is Liz Densley, as I say, our, our very friendly accountant from Honey Barrett, um, has put together a whole load of uh, frequently asked questions that she, she's getting because these are really accountancy type questions, tax related, obviously, um, but also she, she, she's at the business end of a lot of these queries. Um, and it, a lot of these questions are very specialist and, and maybe you've got some questions too, which are also specialists. So if, if this isn't something your accountant's able to help you with, then obviously a, a financial advisor would go, go down a long way here. There's not a lot coming out from the um, NHS Business Services Authority, the people who look after NHS pensions. So um, um, obviously if you, if you, we've got a, NESGP have got a Facebook group, lots and lots of threads on that. And we've made it very helpful by adding a special topic for that, which you can click on and follow the um, all the conversations just about uh, type two. Um, so that's really worth a read if you're if you've done any salaried any type two work. 
Then, of course, another big thing that's happened recently, uh, the new GP contract. And after many months, years of of toing and froing negotiating with the BMA and the college, is the state new state-backed indemnity scheme. And, and again, Rachel from the Medical Protection Society has put together, again, some more FAQs um, with some really interesting information on what you need to do as a GP, as a sessional GP, as a salary GP, as a locum GP, in terms of your indemnity, what you should be doing, what you certainly shouldn't be doing. Um, and uh, when you've read this article, your mind shouldn't have any questions left. It really does, I think, cover all the bases. You should be left in no doubt as to what to be doing. Um, and it's all pretty good news. It's all pretty good news what's happening with this, um, uh, whether you're when, no matter what type of GP you are. Um, so thank you, Rachel from MPS, very much for that. We get lots of support from the MPS um, and they've, they've done great stuff over the years helping us. So this, this is a really good um, art, article to come out in uh, this time of year. Uh, Kate Little, next article. Um, this is about um, strength. This is about balance and strength. Now, Kate writes a, a lot about health and well-being. She's a real expert, both from the, the mental health side, but also very much from the physical side. And of course, they both come together uh, perfectly in, in Kate's articles. This one is kind of a little bit chilling because um, like all these articles it's a lot, it was very relevant to one's own age and, and and these articles by Kate although they're very much to help us as GPs help our patients they also always apply directly to us as individuals as well and us as carers um, and so lots of statistics lots of evidence lots of research here about um, how our strength and balance changes as we get older and what implication that has in terms of frailty and fractures and all sorts of other stuff what the risk factors are for all of this um, being pregnant going through the menopause having these changes in our lives um, can affect um, um, can affect our muscle mass and balance and all these sorts of things um, particularly women evidence shows I'm reading here for example that 25% of women are at risk of not being able to get up from a low chair independently between 70 and 74 years compared to 7% of men I'd pick that one out there because that's one I highlighted. But there are all sorts of other um, um, statistics in here about good resource focus our minds on, on what we could and should be doing. And, um, and and Kate at the end gives her own top tip on what she's doing at the moment, which is when she cleans her teeth, is just standing on one leg. Um, I don't know if I should personally be recommending that because I've started doing that now since since Kate sent me this article and it hasn't always ended well. So um, um, particularly if there's sharp things around in, in your bathroom when you're cleaning your teeth. But there's plenty of other times when you can be standing on one leg. Um, but a great article. Thanks very much, Kate. Um, and... In terms of if, if you're feeling hungry at this moment in time, read read this following article from Judith and you will soon uh, stop all of that because this article is called Eat Eating People is Wrong and it's about cannibalism. Now, if you recall, Judith's previous article and podcast were on the Bodyworks exhibition in London, which is about plastic denization of cadavers, 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 whatever, cadavers, dead bodies, you know. I um, haven't said that word in a long time. 
And um, so this one is actually about cannibalism. Judith had been away to Norway and came across a, um, uh, a name, Carleton Gudusek, I think, um, in a place called Tromso, um, and got started talking about um, Kuru um, and, and, the, and, the, and the prion disease, neurogenerative disorder, Juxford-Krakow um, disease. Um, did I say that right? You know, CJD. And... Um, and just goes into the history of cannibalism and how quite eerily it's not that abnormal, um, how our own ancestors in Cheddar Gorge were known to have butchered other humans um, and how various people have survived through plane crashes and, and train crashes for months on end um, and, going, and the sort of the pacts that people have made prior to death about having their bodies eaten by their comrades so that their comrades can can then survive um and again really interesting beautifully written article there by judith um so it's sort of getting to sort of the you're getting the munchies at a at five o'clock in the in the afternoon and you're starting to look at the um your biscuit tin have a look at this article that will soon stop you Thank you very much, Judith, for that. And lastly, our final article is from Louise Hudman. Um, and Louise Hudman has, for many years now, been producing really great, uh, short, pithy summaries of usually nice guidelines or, or other similar guidelines. Um, and this one is on renal and ureteric stones uh, and the latest nice guidelines on that, which has only just come out. So this is very up-to-date. Um about drug treatment, what's new, what's changed, what kind of investigations, what kind of analgesia, etc. Um, a good, good summary. Lots of information there. Um, very soon, this uh, article from the magazine will also then go out on our blog. That'll we'll we'll email that out to you in our newsletter if you remember. Um, an NASGP member and at the bottom of that blog will be a an online form you can quickly fill in to with some reflection and click send and you'll then get a kind of a certificate for you to upload to your favourite um, appraisal toolkit so you can it just helps you collect um, that evidence for appraisal Lord knows I've got three days to submit my appraisal evidence and I'm not looking forward to it. And I've done I've done all of these um, and that certainly has helped me an awful lot um, with my with my um, points, as it were. So thank you again, Louise, for that. Um, so that's all for this edition of the Sessional GP magazine. Um, thank you again for listening to this podcast. If you're not already a member of the NESGP, please do join. We do need your support. The more people that uh, join NESGP, the more work we can do um, to put together articles, content, more podcasts um, and that kind of thing. So uh, uh, and if you are a member, of course, thank you so much for your support. Got any articles you'd like us to publish or to consider? Send, you know where to send them. Info at nesgp.org.uk. Thank you very much. <laughs>